and welcome to the Destiny Prague podcast. Our heart is to see people empowered by the love of Jesus and activated by the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe that the Word of God is still relevant today, and we trust that this message will bless you, challenge you, and fill your heart and mind with the truth of who God is and who you are in Christ. We believe that God has a plan for your life, and we want to journey a road of discipleship with you as you discover who He has called you to be. If you'd like to connect with us, check out our website at destinychurch.cz. Let's go. We're speaking about truth, which is interesting, actually, um, because if you've turned on Netflix in the last week or two, there's some interesting things about the truth, and the more and more um, I look at social media, and I look at public media, and I look at the world around us, I think there's just a desperation for the truth. I think there's a part of society that honestly doesn't care about the truth and just profits off of it, to be quite honest with you which is sowing a lot of the deception, mistrust, and false truth these days. I don't think that's any different. We're going to be in John 1, chapter 2 this morning. I don't think it's any different to the times that we're going to read about in 1 John. And I, I want to encourage you to just look at 1 John as if it was today, right? Because I've spent the last week in this chapter, and there's a lot in this chapter, um, and more and more when I read it, I just see it's today. I think it's as relevant as it was, whatever, 2,000 years ago as what it is today. And the Lord just reminded me this morning that his word is a double-edged sword. And I think when he reminded me of this, it just reminded me of the fact that what we're reading here has to cut deep. It is relevant because it's a double-edged sword. It is so relevant to today that it's going to cut deep for all of us. So, Father, I just pray for open eyes this morning. I ask that you remove any spiritual blinkers, blinders from us to see um, or not see, Father, what's happening in our day-to-day, in our society, Lord. A world that's probably more and more corrupt than it's ever been. A world that doesn't even know. One person can sit next to the other, look at their telephone, and have a completely different truth. Father, we are so desperate for to be anchored in the truth this morning. Father, we want to be a people that stand steadfast in the truth, which is your word. So, Father, I ask in the name of Jesus that you strengthen us to see through the noise this morning. May we see the world the way you see the world. I pray against any spirit of blindness, deaf and dumbness this morning. I just pray for clarity of every heart and every mind this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Cool. I'm going to knock that off. Okay, so we're in 1 John this morning. I want to set the scene very quickly. Jessica did an exceptional job last week. I sat there in tears. The Holy Spirit was all over her message last week in 1 John 1. She took the first four voices verses last week. You can listen to it on the podcast. It was exceptional. But there's something I want to reiterate from last week, and that was the context of 1 John. Okay? And I'm going to read a passage from the U version introduction in, the, in a moment. But you need to understand, if you go look at the book of John, the gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, this is them reporting on a time with Jesus, right? Right up until the crucifixion. When you look at one John, some years have passed. Jesus is no longer on the earth. He has ascended into heaven. We've had a Holy Spirit moment in the book of Acts. The church was formed. Some years have passed, right? Generations have passed. 
There's now a generation that never saw Jesus on the earth, but they're living in the testimony and the goodness of the gospel. But life starts to happen, right? Government starts to happen. And particularly in this context, the times of the Greeks started to mix into the truth of who Jesus was and what he came to do. And there's a group of people that were Christians at the time, but they weren't keeping the commands of Jesus. Quite honestly, their truth became fuzzy. It became mixed up in the culture of the time. It became mixed up in traditional Greek um, view on the world. Can I read something to you very quickly? If you guys have this version app, which I'm sure most of you do, since we live in the digital world. But before you actually read the books, there's this cool little section called intro, which is usually pretty useful. Doesn't mean you need to go Google or have any particular concordance, but you can read this little intro in the beginning of um, the book in the Bible, and it gives you some general context and insight into what was happening. This is very important to understand, 1 John. Why am I reiterating this? Because we live in a time where we have different truths, different opinions, different perspective, different views sowed at us permanently. Permanently. Right? And John addresses this exact thing in John 1 and 2. Right? And I'm going to give you a spoiler alert here. It's very simple. Right? This is how John concludes. You have everything you need in the Holy Spirit. Okay, I'm giving my message away. It's a very simple message this morning. You have everything you need in the Holy Spirit. In fact, John 2 concludes with, you don't need to be taught even. Right? That's what he says. His words verbatim. You don't need to be taught. Why even Jesus said, he is coming, the comforter, the helper, the Holy Spirit is coming, and he will remind you of all things. He will teach you of all things. Right? And he's reminding the people of this. Now, that doesn't mean fellowship and community is important, right? Because iron sharpens iron. But look at this very quickly. The letter known as John 1 was sent to a group of believers. They called themselves believers. Who were in the midst of an unsettling situation. Anyone feel unsettled by the current day and age? Just yes. Okay. Sometimes it's unsettling. Some of, them have had, some of them had abandoned the faith in Jesus the Messiah as it had first been taught to them. They found the proclamation that God had come in a human body impossible to reconcile with the common Greek idea that the flesh is evil and only the spirit is good. Right? Culture conflicted with the kingdom values and truth. Okay? They found the proclamation that God had come in a human body impossible to reconcile with the common Greek idea that the flesh is evil and only the spirit is good. But despite their denial of the Messiah, so they denied him completely. They didn't believe he came, right? And you'll see John 2, um, in 1 John 2, he calls this the Antichrist, right? It is an Antichrist spirit. Ooh, we don't like that word, huh? Because we think of Mark of the Beast and we think of six heads and how many horns, right? But John is dealing with an antichrist spirit in 1 John. And I'm going to take you through that in a moment. 
Because as I was worshiping this morning, God said to me, we need to be vigilant, church. That word vigilant became very clear to me this morning. Because even John battled the Antichrist spirit in that time. And I'm telling you, it is rearing its head more and more as the generations progress. Despite their denial of the Messiah, their immoral lives and their lack of practical love, they claimed to know God and belong to God. They asserted that their spiritual insight put them above the rest of the group, which they had demonstrated by deserting the fellowship. Those left behind were deeply shaken, uncertain about everything that they had been taught. Someone who was close to the community and who had been an eyewitness of Jesus wrote to assure them, and this is John. We don't actually know who the author is of this book, but... Um, Theologians will say that it's John, and when you read it and you look at the Gospel of John, you can actually see that it's almost verbatim the same messaging, the same phrasing, right? So we believe that it's the Apostle John um, in this book. But you see a people group that called themselves believers, that had been led by a group, right, which had been sowing mistruth. Now, we don't know who these leaders were at the time, but we can imagine that these were religious people at the time, and they took the institution of the day in Greek frameworks, right? And they started to taint the truth, and they led people astray. And then this Antichrist group left those people. And when they left those people, they left them confused, shaken, and they're sitting there going, is what we believe at all true? And John steps in, and this is where we get one John. Are you with me? This is so important. Because when we're talking about knowing the truth, and we look at this group of people 2,000 years ago, I don't think it's very different to today. I'm going to get into that a little bit more, and we're going to be looking at how to know what the truth really is. But we went through just the first four verses of 1 John last week. And I wanted to just complete in 1 John some really interesting things because it, lets, it gives us a glimpse into the character of God, which I don't think we can miss out, right? So I don't want to just skip on to chapter 2 without touching on this. In chapter 1, it said this, and Jessica said it this morning, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. Why is this important? Because when you start to look at God and you start to evaluate your life and we're going to go through some of the commands of Jesus and we're going to look at how to stay and remain in Jesus, you need to understand that there are certain things that God won't operate in when you keep it hidden from him. Okay? You hear what I'm saying? God can do anything he wants. He can permeate the darkest parts of you, parts of you that you don't even know are hidden. But if you're specifically trying to keep something in hiding, something in darkness, it says that he can't operate there. Just follow me for a second. If you're going to keep sexual sin in darkness, if you know what his word says, and you're going to keep that aside, and you're going to feel like that's something you can't bring before him, that's in darkness. If you're going to steal from the tax man, when you know what the word of God says about how to do taxes, right? You're going to keep that in darkness. And we've spoken about this a lot in our, in our finance series, that when we want the blessing of God, 
When we want to do life and life in abundance, it has to be in His design. And His design is this light, right? So as we mature, as we grow, right, as we read and understand, and understand His way to do things, and understand His way of living, the abundant living that He's designed for us, we start to take things that we're in hiding, things that we didn't even know we were in hiding, we start to bring them into His light, and He starts to bring correction, right? This is why he says, come as you are. So if you're in sexual sin today, bring it into the light. There's no need to be ashamed of it. That's not what he's saying here. He's not saying, oh, everything in darkness should be ashamed and you should stay there. He's saying, come into the light. Bring that thing to me. Bring it at my feet. Let me show you how I really designed for this thing. Let me show you the blessing that comes in saving yourself for marriage. Let me show you the, the covenant of marriage and what that looks like. Same for your finances. Same for relationships. Same for everything. This is what God's about. But when we don't understand His Word, when we don't know what He's about, right? We don't know what's in darkness. You know, if... If Jessica and I don't have a relationship and I don't know what actually upsets her or, or hurts her or offends her, then I'm actually ignorant in my relationship. Amen? Heavy word this morning. We could be ignorant of the things of God and therefore things in our life are in darkness. Right? But I want to live life in abundance because that's how he's designed it for me. So because I love him and I want abundant living as he's designed it, I need to know what he says about how to discipline my children. So I can bring it into his light and he can bless that. And he can teach me. And he can remind me. And he can guide me. Because when you look again at the end of chapter 2, he says, you don't need to be taught. I've given you my Holy Spirit to teach you all things. It says actually you've been anointed. Oh, now I'm preaching. I don't even know why I bother making notes sometimes. Jessica. This is important to note. God is light. Guys, this is his character. You want to bring things into his light. As I'm saying that, I believe inside of you, some of you, there'd be something with the Holy Spirit's prompting right now. That's called conviction. And that conviction you need to listen to this morning, right? It's not to keep you ashamed or feeling guilty, but it's saying, oh, man. I don't know, is this something I should bring to God? If that's in your mind right now, I want to tell you you need to pray. And you need to say, Father, whether I do or don't need to, I'm bringing it to you. I want to be vulnerable. I want to be exposed to you this morning. Because I want your light to shine in every area of my life. In John 1, it explains that we are sinful. No doubt. No doubt. It says we are all sinners. But this is a very different framework to light and dark. Because he never once said, if you're sinful, you can't step into the light. In actual fact, there's a prompting. And as we step into the light, even as our sinful nature, it says that he purifies us in his light. Like this is the gospel 101. Come with all of your stuff, all of your nonsense. I don't care if you're a squeaky clean person. If you're the most generous person, if you're the most loving, gracious person in the world, but you are proud and you battle with pride, step into his light this morning. 
Why is this context important? It's important because John is trying to explain to a group of Christians that they might have got it wrong. They might have been misled. And they're sitting there going, now, what is the foundation of our belief system? And he says, it doesn't matter. Step into the light. Right? Just step into God's light. Let him bring correction. Why I say this is no different to today, Jessica mentioned some commentary on some of the advertising we've seen recently in Prague, the Jesus tram, right? And some of the comments were online, very negative. Keep your Jesus to yourself. Keep it in your churches. Don't try and force an archaic belief system upon us. Blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of darkness around us. In actual fact, when you read 1 John 2, I would go as far as to say when it's, there's a section that deals with loving and hating your brother, right? Because what you need to realize these people, because they strayed so far from the truth, right? Because they were so far from Jesus, from the original truth, they didn't hold his commands anymore in their society. They strayed so far from the belief system that Jesus came to instill in them, to love one another, to care for one another. What they did instead is they pursued knowledge, right? And because they were wise in their religion, they pushed themselves above others, right? And they failed to love each other. And the whole thing crumbled completely. And it says in John 2, it describes darkness and those that don't know the light, don't know Jesus, as being blind, walking aimlessly, being blind in today. But at the same time, I believe under that section, and I'm jumping around this morning, if we truly love our brothers and sisters, which is not just the people sitting in this room, by the way, the brothers and sisters is the world. If we truly love them, then we don't want them to be in darkness, right? We don't want them to live in ignorance. Because when I look at those commentaries towards that Jesus tram, my heart breaks, not for what they're saying, God and Jesus have set the test, stood the test of time. I will die tomorrow and that gospel will still be setting people, people free. But when you read comments like that, you can't help but feel, man, you're just living in darkness. What is life like? I don't know what life is like outside of this. I really don't. I can't imagine how lost I would be if I didn't have this book to guide me in how I manage people in the workplace, how I love my wife, how I discipline my kids, how I'm generous towards my family and my people. I don't know what life is like outside of this. Comments like that just really, really break my heart. Knowing the truth is important. John could not have been more clear in the book of 1 John that Jesus is the truth, the way, and the life. In fact, most of John, 70% of 1 John, it's the gospel over again. I feel like he was back 30 years speaking to the first group of believers. That's what it feels like. It's like he pushes a big reset on this community and says, you've missed it. Jesus went to the Christ. He died. He rose again. We have freedom in him. He's the truth. He's the way. He's the life. You have abundant living. You're anointed. You have the Holy Spirit. All of this, he just repeats over and over. It's actually annoying sometimes when you read it. I'm like, well, you could have just scrapped half of that and just left John, the book of John in the Bible. 
but it's a way of him showing that he's not coming in with this massive rebuke. He's not coming in with this hammer that says, man, you've missed it. Catch a wake up. But he comes with the power that is the gospel over again, which was convicted me this week. Because sometimes I feel like we spend more time teaching theology from the pulpits than preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we actually do make a point of making sure the gospel filtrates into every single message that we deliver. But he brings the gospel of Jesus Christ to a people group so that he can hit reset on them and say, guys, you've missed it. But let me, let me tell you all about it all over again. And he never gets tired of it. He never gets tired of it. Because at the end of chapter 2, he's saying, man, you're anointed. You've got everything you need. Come on, let's do this thing again. He's not frustrated. He's bringing some real hard truths to them. But the truth is so important, and you can see the desperation in John. Check this out. And I'm going to say this very boldly. There is only one truth this morning, and his name is Jesus. Anything that is not Jesus or did not come out of the mouth of Jesus is not the truth. Right? I don't care what you believe this morning, respectfully. I don't care what you've been taught about finances from birth. I don't care about your culture or my culture this morning. What I care about is the truth, and the truth is Jesus. The words that come out of his mouth, you hang on every day of your life. You put them to practice, and you will see John saying this exact same thing. If you desire the truth, if you want to live in the truth, keep his commands. We're going to get to that in a moment. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the truth, the way and the life. John 1, 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John 1, 17, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. 1 John 5, verse 20, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true. In his Son, Jesus Christ, he is the true God and eternal life. John 8, 31, 32. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. I'm going to read that again. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. How do you know the truth? You abide in the word. Who is the word? The word is Jesus. How do we have access to Jesus? Through the word. It's like this very basic equation. Very simple. A vicious cycle, really. And you know, I got this illustration yesterday. Imagine this cycle. You want truth. Truth is Jesus. How do you get to Jesus? Through his word. His word is the truth. Okay? So how does the enemy corrupt us? He just distorts the truth. Right? He just distorts the truth. He can't touch Jesus. He can't touch his word. So he distorts the truth. How does he distort your truth? Any ideas? 
if you don't know the word, if you don't know the truth. It's, it's, it's that simple. And one John, this is all he's telling them, over and over. He almost says, and he doesn't say this, but when I'm reading it, this is what I see. You, were, uh, you allowed yourself to be misled. You allowed yourself to be misled. Because you allowed an antichrist spirit among you to twist the truth, right, with the Greek framework of the day, and it led you, it led you, mis, it le, it led you astray. And what happened around that? We started to pursue knowledge rather than intimacy with Jesus. We stopped loving one another. We stopped caring. And the whole thing fell apart completely. And all they had to do was distort the truth. It probably came through one person. The truth is so important. Only Jesus is the truth. Guys, I cannot emphasize enough how important it is in this day and age to be in the Word of God. I don't care if you don't understand it. I was, I was just thinking about it this morning. What was the switch in my head? What was the switch in my head in my walk with God where I went from, man, this is crazy to read. I don't understand it. It feels like a chore. It feels like a lot. It feels like a bunch of rules. When was the switch to this, which is anything outside of him is a lie? And I honestly can't remember. But there was a point in time, just from reading, just from being in community and fellowship, just from being in his word, from praying out of a heart of desperation to know him more. I didn't have a terrible life. Nothing was falling to peace in my life. I just desired this abundance. I just desired purpose. I think I just desired purpose. I just wanted to know why am I on this earth? Why is she sick? Why did he have to die? I just desired basic things. Man, and at some point in my life, it's just like things just clicked. And instead of seeing text in a book, I saw a man. I honestly fell in love with a man, which sounds so weird to say in this context of the day and age, but I really did. I fell in love with a man. His name is Jesus Christ. And you know what? Now, now maybe this is testimony. But I fell in love with this this man that had it really rough. But whatever came out of his mouth was real. You know? Whatever context he was in, people were set free. People were restored. People felt good. People were had joy. He always had enough time for people. They tired him out. They exhausted him. So many times he just wanted to be in the middle of the lake or in the mountains or away from them. But he was so passionate about them that he couldn't stay away. And there's something about that that I just fell in love with. I wanted that in my life. I wanted to be in a situation where when I walked into a workplace, it changed. It prospered. Not because of who I was or how skilled I was, but because of who was in me. That when we step into taking over a people of a church of 20 to 15 people, not because of who Jessica and I are, but because of who our God is, that it grows to 120 to 140 people, right? In COVID, come on. He is the truth. 
Okay, so here we go. I'm going to do this very quickly. We know him by keeping his commands. John 1 specifically speaks about if you really know him. Because this is a group of people that now don't know. Do we know him? Have we ever known him? And he simply says this, trying to get them back on track. If you know him, you're going to keep his commands. Really simple. It's a KPI. It's a measuring stick for your life. If you know him, you will keep his commands. Do we know what his commands are? No. That's the problem. Again, it comes back to, are we in the Word? And I thought about this. I stared at my computer monitor for about 40 minutes going, man, do I know the commands of Jesus? Do I, can I recite them? How many are there? Right? Looking at it through a typical fleshly, physical lens. What are the commands? How do I do this? Right? And then I did what any average person would do. And I'm super average. Sometimes below average. In school, I was definitely below average. But I want to check this out. Look what I did. I did something super complex. You're going to be blown away by this now. I googled, what are the commands of Jesus? Right? And there were so many. Abide in me. Repent. Follow me. Rejoice. Let your light shine. Honor God's law. Be reconciled to him. Do not lust. Do not lust. Keep your word. Go the extra distance for people. We'll paraphrase. Love your enemies. You love yourself. Practice secret disciplines. Right? We've done this as a church. Pray in secret. Fast in secret. Be generous in secret. Lay up treasures. Seek God's kingdom first. Do not judge others. Do not waste precious wisdom on people that are just not going to hear it. Ask, seek, knock. Do unto others. There are so many. And I went, oh my goodness, Lord. If it was a checklist, how would I even be able to start following your commands? And you know what he said to me? When you fall in love with me, right? You get to know my character. And his Holy Spirit continues. We speak about this all the time. Your, the Holy Spirit starts to transform your character. And you know what, guys? I went through these things, and I'm like, well, that, that comes naturally. That comes naturally. That comes naturally. That comes naturally. That, oh, I'm working at that one, but it's becoming more natural. And, and, and. And I never looked at it like this huge set of rules that I needed to do. But I realized over years of just reading and learning and understanding who he is, I'm following a lot of his commands. Naturally. Follow his commands. We know the truth when we keep his commands. If you're asking yourself if something in your life is wrong or sinful, it probably is. Bring it into the light. Bring everything into God's light. Don't be ignorant. Be like me. Google his commands. Read his word of God. Start with the gospels. Just start with the gospels. Get to know Jesus the man. Get to know Jesus the man. Christianity is about a person. It's about a person. It's not about Genesis to Revelation. It's about a man. Get to know the man. Right? It says if we obey his word, we are made complete in his love. Right? When we obey his word, naturally things start to become into, into his light. He starts to bless. His love is made complete in that. 
it's not a difficult thing to grasp when we're reading. And I meant like really reading. Not the Instagram posts in the morning. I want to touch on this very quickly. John, 1 John 2 talks about an antichrist spirit. This was a person or a group of people that had led them astray at the time. 1 John 2 verse 22. It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the antichrist denying the father or the son. 1 John 2 verse 24. As for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does not, you will also, sorry, if it does, you also will remain in the Son and the Father. 1 John 2 verse 26, I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in Him. There are people in this world that deny Jesus. There are commentaries on blogs denying that Christianity is real, right? In fact, when you go read John, it says the world will hate you for what you believe. The world will hate you for what you believe because the world will give you this counterfeit. The Antichrist spirit in our life, just stick with me for a second here, doesn't come and say, I hate Jesus. That's not what it, well, it does, but that's not how it will present itself to you. What it will come and do is it will come into a situation where you're not clear on the truth and it will distort that slightly, right? And you will start to drift. And before you know it, you're so far from the truth, you're so far gone that you're living completely out of the light. John is warning them here. But what does he say? He says, remain in him. That, that which you received in the beginning, that message, that gospel message that you heard in the beginning. For us, it's the word of God. It's this book that we have, that they didn't all have back then. When you remain in that, you have everything you need. You have everything you need to make sure that your truth is the truth. I was watching a documentary on Netflix last week, one that we've been putting off for a long time. It's about a church, right? This is, this is what I, this is why I just want us to be vigilant. It's about a church. It's about a man that fell, it was a man that was sinful, it was a man that had some darkness, some stuff that he kept in hiding. All of us have something. Okay, he's no different. And he tried to bring things to correction at some point. But things fell apart. And that's the consequence of sin, unfortunately. It brings death. Things fell apart. And I watched this documentary. And I was surprised by this man. He came out and he owned everything. I saw a man that brought stuff into the light. It was too late, unfortunately, for a lot of people and for the institution. It fell apart. But he brought something into the light. And he was very open and honest about it and his shortcomings. But you know what the cool thing is? There's grace for him. There's grace for him in the kingdom. And I know that. And I'm looking at that as a, as a, as a man that's just trying to get things 
right in his life. His marriage fell to pieces, kids were falling to pieces, consequence of sin. But in this documentary, they start to interview various people. And at some point, I was getting so frustrated in my spirit. Because all of a sudden, he was a racist, right? Because his volunteer group, which are volunteers, don't have enough people of color. He's a homophobe because he didn't have enough diversity in his leadership team, right? And, and, and everyone just piled on. They just piled on. For a guy that was walking through a very hard time in his life, just trying to be really, really open, and I'm not condoning what he did, right? Because when we're called to lead and teach, you're held to a very different standard according to the Word of God, right? But no one talks about the thousands that came to the knowledge of Christ Jesus under his leadership prior to the incidents, right? No one talks about that. In fact, in the current day and age, they slaughtered him publicly. And you know what it did? It wasn't even about him. 40% into the documentary, it wasn't about him. It was about the church. The archaic belief systems of the church, right? The archaic belief systems around finances. And it just got to a point, and I looked at Jessica and I said, this is the Antichrist spirit manifesting here. For the whole world to see on public television. And my heart was saddened. Because you know what? There would be Christians, people that call themselves believers, that would watch that and go, you know what, that's right. Actually, is this church thing legit? Or is it just a man-made infrastructure? You hear what I'm saying? Because that's what the Antichrist does. It distorts the truth. And people that don't know the truth, A, will not be able to discern an Antichrist spirit. And secondly, it will cause so much destruction and division. I would count probably on a number of our fingers how many people actually saw grace in that three-hour documentary. How many saw a man that was really just trying to get things into the light and be reconciled back to the Father? Or how many people actually just saw a failed church institution? And then you wonder why you have commentary on the tram, right? I don't want to labor this point, guys. What I'm trying to say to you is we live in a day and age that is no different to 1 John. Truth is now more important than it's ever been. There is only one truth. His name is Jesus Christ. Okay? If you're not in the Word of God, I'm telling you now, you are vulnerable to be sown mistruth. You are vulnerable to be led astray. Right? Even what I'm teaching today, what Jessica taught last week, you should be testing. And man, I know I'm going to be held accountable in front of God one day, right? It's written here. I know the truth. I know what I stepped into to teach. Your faith, your relationship with God cannot hinge off of my relationship with Him. It has to be your own truth. Can we stand for a second?
closing, I'm going to read something that I wrote. Jesus and John, if you look at the Gospel of John and you look at 1 John, Jesus and John are both clear that the world will hate you. Right? The archaic belief systems that were labeled in this documentary that I watched, it's just going to become more and more prevalent. At some point, if you're in the business world and you're managing people, you're going to be in a compromising position. I can tell you now. I work for an American firm. I see Ulpulka nodding her head. She's in HR. She knows the agenda that is pushed by corporates these days. Any corporate link to America, you're feeling it firsthand, right? You're going to be in a compromising position between the values of your organization and what the truth is. More and more and more. For a lot of us, we need to start having a clear view on how do we respond in those situations. How do we continue to love people? Because that's exactly what Christ Jesus would have done. But are we anchored in the truth? And do we believe that the truth sets people free? Jesus and John couldn't be more clear that if you anchored yourself in the truth, this truth, at some point it's going to be a very difficult road to lead. Best you bring your ideals and your belief system into His light quickly. I have a feeling that God is more trustworthy than what the world, the government, and institutions promise us. The world is full of counterfeits. Full of counterfeits. We're so in an idea that our happiness comes through material things. Doing what we want, when we want it. Living how we please. Doing what we want to and with our bodies. Rallying behind movements that make the loudest noise emphasized by public and social media it's a mess quite honestly it's exhausting anyone else exhausted 